Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. <laughs> uh, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm well and refreshed. Took a, a weekend little vacation with yes. my uh, beautiful wife. Can I, I? I didn't tell you this before the show, but it's because we are celebrating actually this coming weekend. 22 years. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's 22 fantastic. in a row. In a like row. All of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's got to be, you guys are, did you pass 22 already? We're, we're 20. Oh, you're 20. We're 20 well, years. Congratulations almost to you. But it was, it's like, have we passed it? When was it? Yes, we passed it. And it was, um, it was pretty uh, low key. In fact, I don't even think maybe we had dinner oh, get brought come in on. Yeah. it's like yeah, a big deal <laughs> it is a big deal and we will be doing something it's just that neither one of us felt comfortable traveling yet mm -hmm. and with my yeah. husband's uh ms we have to be really careful no, with that so yeah we're uh we, we're going to do something at some point oh, it will something. definitely be in celebration of marriage well <laughs> the the reason i bring it up is because i i it was an opportunity this weekend to reflect as we're traveling spending hours in the car together and eating every meal together and all this stuff at realizing like how what an incredible position of privilege it is to have this person who to whom I am married and also Aww. is my best friend. Yes. And, and she's a wonder, wonderful lady well, from delightful. my point of view. She's delightful. <laughs> she's a real charmer. But the but the, the the whole idea is that it is the friendship that yeah. I don't have to work as hard for, right? It's because right. like it's just it's it is the easiest friendship I have in my life. And uh, what is the deal? So after our conversation last week, talking to Melissa about friendships mm -hmm. and ADHD, like this is an anomalous relationship that I have with my wife. And thank goodness mm -hmm. I have it the way I do. I feel incredibly lucky that ADHD hasn't gotten in the way, but it does make me a little bit more introspective about, about friendships and why those that aren't easy aren't easy. And so we're going to talk more about that today, right? Yeah, well, and I also know from uh, working with you and you talking about your um, friends, and we've had some of your really good friends on the show before, yeah. you have some deep relationships. Like you've I got do. some really solid, deep relationships, and they've really held up over uh, a lot of uh, time and space because you don't all live in the same state. And yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, they they weirdly take more work and I'm less secure day over day. Mm -hmm. And I'm mm -hmm. curious as to why that is. And so we're going to mm -hmm. talk about anxiety and RSD yes. and friendship, things that came up in our conversation. And uh, so we're going to explore some more of that today. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. And we will let you know each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, we invite you to head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. There you can take part in investing in the growth of this show for a few bucks each month. You can uh, join us. You can join us for live streams. You can join our super secret Discord channels in our ADHD community, which is wonderful. You can you can invest in Pete's future members-only podcast, which is, uh, with every member, another member closer to re releasing Pete's uh, technology and workflow podcast. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine what that's going to be all about. Very excited about it. Um, I, I was, I, I got to tell you as a little aside, I was riled up this weekend about consolidation in the podcasting industry and all of these companies that like Spotify and uh, Liberty FM and all these are the biggest companies in podcasting throwing tons of money in ad technology to measure where your ears are and measure who you are just all the same privacy invasive privacy stuff going on in advertising is going on in podcasting and uh, and so all these little podcast networks are being bought up and consolidated into uh, bigger networks so they can track you and trace you and and do all that we don't do any of that stuff honestly we just i have no interest in it i don't want to know what time you're listening to the show i don't know want to know if you're lying in bed or driving in your car i don't want to know any of that i just want to know that we're helping you make a change in your life for the better with adhd that is our number one most important thing but it really honestly it takes support of the community to help us continue to do this the way we have been doing it and to make sure that we we do it with uh, attention to uh, privacy and that we're not tracking you and that we haven't given up on protecting the data about our users, about our listeners and supporters. So, you know, if that is any sway with you, it certainly does with me. Um, I, I hope you consider patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you for your support. We're going to talk about anxiety and RSD and and uh, friendships today. And I ran across this article in the Atlantic that I wanted to share. And in fact, I'll post in Show Talk the the uh, link and the image that goes along with it because it's really important. Um, Melissa, do you remember what Melissa said about the number of like super close friends that you maintain and have in your life? It was like a handful. Well, it, like two it or, felt two or three. like it was under five. Yeah. Like most of the time, it's under five. Well, Robin Dunbar wrote a book called Friends, Understanding the Power of Our Most Important Relationships. And uh, just to forgive me, I'm going to read a little bit. You might recall mm -hmm. the author's name from his concept of Dunbar's number, that on average, people can maintain about 150 friendships with others, a limit that is determined by human brain size and function. The chart is more detailed version of the concept. It shows roughly the number of people that we ha that we can have meaningful relationships with at various levels of intimacy, right? And so it's like, imagine a target, like a bullseye, right? And at the middle, he calls that ego. And that number is 1.5. He calls those intimates, 
at we can have 1.5 intimates in our lives. Those are clearly our, you know, your spouse, your partner, your romantic relationships, right? Close friends, five. That's the next circle out. You get five of those. Mm -hmm. 15 best friends, 50 good friends, 150 friends, 500 acquaintances, 1,500 known names, and 5,000 known faces. That is a level of detail in our friendships that I had never really considered. And Dunbar goes on and says, the innermost layer of 1.5, the most intimate, clearly that's your romantic relationships. The next layer of five is your shoulders to cry on friendships. They're the ones who will drop everything to support us when our world falls apart. The 15 layer includes the previous five and your core social partners. They are our main social companions, so they provide the context for having fun times. They also provide the main circle of exchange for childcare. We trust them enough to leave our children with them. I think that's kind of an interesting measure. And the next layer up <laughs> at 50 is your big weekend barbecue people. And the 150 layer is your weddings and funerals group who would come to your once-in-a-lifetime event. Uh, the layers come about primarily because of the time we have for social interaction, that it is not infinite. You have to decide how to invest that time, bearing in mind that the strength of relationships is directly correlated with how much time and effort we give them. That last line, to me, is very important because when you are living with ADHD and social anxiety and RSD, the time that you have becomes compressed by your anxiety. You don't have the amount of time to invest in your friendships because some of that time is taken up by feeling crappy about not being a great friend or feeling rejected or whatever. That's why I think this conversation is so important as an extension of our conversation last week with Melissa Orlov. Yeah, that's a really interesting article and an interesting way of thinking about it because I, I know with my son just going through graduation, we, I was thinking in my mind, I haven't done this yet, but I was thinking in my mind, making a list of everybody that I need to send his announcement to. Sure. And that, you know, it is interesting when you when you talk about the kind of the groups of people, like where that would fall. So that that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I think one of the things that really uh, resonated and kind of stuck with me with our conversation with Melissa last week is just how tied RSD and anxiety are to friendships, Yeah, you know, because... Um, the the anxiety of, of course is the social anxiety um but the rsc that rejection sensitivity i mean it just screams i think friendships right like mm -hmm. to especially even to to get back into uh friendships or to you haven't talked to somebody in a while like that there's just so much what if they don't like me anymore and you know what if i did something and i didn't know that i did something so one of the things I thought that would be really interesting for us today is to confront these things. I don't know if we really have answers to them, mm. <laughs> right? We're not here to solve the world. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting conversation. I know it's something that um, so many of us struggle with. And also one of the things that you pointed out in that article without you really knowing that you pointed this out and also something that I think Melissa said is I don't think more friends is, are, I don't think that's better. Right. You know, right. I, I think that we're looking for those two groups. We're looking for the five people, mm -hmm. you know, that, that are going to stand by us and, and understand us. And, and, and it's not that the acquaintances or the people that you run into at school or work aren't important, but they're not, they also don't need to hold that space 
in your mind that that contains so much anxiety about them. Like they don't, they're not worth that. Like right. let that go. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I wonder if, you know, would that then ease yourself a little bit into opening the space of, you know, really building those relationships that matter. So well, that's a really good question. And I think an interesting place to start, mostly because one of the effects of of like social anxiety disorder is that it almost doesn't matter what the real effects are of a relationship with that person. The Your reality of it is it makes you feel bad about yourself. So mm-hmm. just letting go of a particular relationship might not actually fix anything because you feel right. so bad about yourself and it might get in the way of going out and making new friends. I know that's that's that can be that is certainly a pandemic, like a knock-on pandemic effect. You haven't seen somebody in a long time. You feel bad about not having seen anybody in a long time. You don't know how to get out. There's this sort of cave syndrome that we've talked about and you don't know how to do it anymore, so you don't do it and then you feel you have this negative self-worth and limiting self limited uh, self-talk, negative self-talk and it's a cycle that is very difficult to shake. Right. Well, and you brought up something that that I'm curious about. And I, again, I don't know the answers to this, but where's the, the connection? Where's the line between, and is there one between RSD and social anxiety? Like, I don't know enough about social anxiety to tell you that I'm an expert on it, or even to really talk about it in the way that you just talked about it. Mm-hmm. I can talk about my own personal anxiety, sure. but that's not necessarily social anxiety. Right. Um, and so you know, it's, it's interesting to me of where does, where does the therapy then come in, mm-hmm. right? To, 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 to confront those thoughts and what's stopping you from living your life. Because one thing we know is we have, we need to have connection. Yes. And if we don't have any connection, you know, we're going to live very miserable lives. And so it, it's sort of like with anxiety. I know before I I was getting diagnosed with it or was getting diagnosed with it. It's the impact. Like how much does this impact your daily life? And it obviously impacted me daily. Mm -hmm. Same thing with ADHD. If you look at the ADHD symptoms and and you're being evaluated, they want to know, you know, what is the impact? Like, are you procrastinating, you know, every day or is this once a week or like what, what is the, the impact of it? So I, I, you know, I, I just think it's an interesting um, topic, you know, yeah. of, of figuring out like wh- where, where is it a real therapeutic problem where you need professional help? And where is it with you just getting the permission to say, it's okay that I don't have to justify who I am to these people that I don't really care about? Well, let me just say, anytime you feel like you need professional help, you should get professional help. Exactly. <laughs> so there's one. Uh, there's, That's true. <laughs> I, I think this is helpful. There, there was some research done that, that was published in the Journal of Anxiety Disorders in, in June 2014 that that um, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about it on the uh, What's That Smell Anxiety show. And so I happen to have yeah. some crossover research that you I do. Think is interesting. You, have, you have some information about this. Well, and this is this is the flag that I raise for people who live with social anxiety disorder. It is because of social anxiety disorder, you have a an out of proportion perception of how people feel about you in the negative air direction. You think mm-hmm. people don't like you very much because of how you feel about yourself. In social contexts, the reality is and has been studied and reported and researched is people like you more than you think they do. Right. 
That yeah. is that has to be a mantra if you're living with social anxiety. People like you more than they think than you think mm-hmm. they do. That's mm-hmm. great. Say it over and over and over again. I wonder if you go back to that chart that we just had, if you were to sit down and actually put names to like those first four groups, like who are your intimates, who are your close friends, who are your friends? Like, can you put names to those people? And are they in the right place? If you ask them to do the same of where they would put their name on your list, where would it be? Like, that's an interesting exercise that I've been kind of noodling over the last couple of days since I read Mm -hmm. this original Dunbar article. Like, the perception of our relationships which our reaction is defined as anxiety, anxious or, or rejection focused is probably not in reality. Well, what's so interesting about that, that chart that you're looking at too, is that as you were talking about that, like, should they be moved? And I'm thinking there are people that I don't necessarily uh, speak to even on a monthly basis, but I would say I probably keep in touch with them, you know, maybe three or four times a year. Mm-hmm. Um who would still be in that five? A hundred percent. Yes. You know, so it may not be in my daily life, but they're they're still in that five that if something happened or I need to talk about something, I know they'll be there for me to listen, to not judge and 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 help me get through it. And mm-hmm. so it isn't, it's not a it's not this black and white linear, this is what a friend should look like, yeah. and this is how long you should have been friends with this person to trust them. I mean, there just isn't any rules around this at all. Right, right. And change is not something to be feared, even though we often fear it. Often fear it. Oh, of course. Friends come and out. Friends friends come and go. Relationships change over time. As you said, our closest friends, they're, you know, those are the relationships you can count on. They're your, you know, help me hide a body friends. Uh, right. You probably don't have, you probably don't talk about your friendships like that, but I got friends. No, so no, talking, I have a couple that I can, and I have one in particular who would like not only help me with it, she would have all the ideas oh, like, yeah. and they would be good ones. Yeah, you count on that. You count on <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's really important is to remember, and this is the one time where I think recognizing that we're suffering alone isn't a bad thing, right? I, when I remember that, my perception is blown out of proportion because of social anxiety and what it does to my brain that I that it's likely not reflected in reality that makes it feel less powerful. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because do you think that you would fit into having social anxiety? I think I have really good close friends. I am I think I'm good at that. Uh there is this uh but but I'm honestly I'm terrible at the regular like day-to-day conversation, like chatting, I, I, re- I end my days generally with that sense of shame that I haven't responded to, to this such and such email, or I haven't sent a text in a while. I haven't just reached out and told people, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about you kind of comments. Do um, people do that? I, well, see, thank you. That actually helps me. <laughs> Do people really just send a text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you? Like just randomly? I mean, yes. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they do. I, I mean, do that. Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. It just doesn't. It, but it's not the thing that I say, oh, I need to do this every day or I need to do like it's not a goal. I, I'm going to kick this back into uh, onto your court. Your husband just did that to me like three days ago. Oh, he did? Yeah. What'd he do? He is a a role <laughs> model of a gentleman right there. Your Aww, husband. He is. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. What did he do? Well, it, it was uh, uh, several years ago that I was down there and we did a photo walk and the picture oh, had come up. Oh, he showed me the photo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he sent me a message and, you know, he made a joke and he blamed me for something that was not my fault. But it was his it, foot, it the really, way that his foot looked. His <laughs> hips, his hips looked funny. And he was like, now I know why everything's gone all cattywampus. And I told him I should have been carrying him the whole time. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, we had this little exchange. But you know what? That is a voice from the voice because I consider yeah. him one of my close friends that, right. I, you know. I'm sure he would help me hide a body. Oh, of course he would. Yeah. He wouldn't He's be able to carry thing? it. No, no, <laughs> no. But, but, but this he is wouldn't the point. be able to like help you. <laughs> and, and I think a- adding to that, when you are feeling uh, uh, that sort of rejection inside, doing something like your husband did for me, I think is, can be healing in its own right. Like being right. able to write a message and say, hey, I'm thinking about you when I am in a place of darkness makes me feel better because right. it starts a chain of interaction that is um, that that opens the door for reciprocation and that's mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's uh, it, it's very I don't think a lot of people do that. I think also and I think specifically around men and we're seeing that change, but men have a hard time doing that too. Oh, for sure. Uh, speaking in you know hopefully broad stereotypes. Um, right. that's a, that's a thing that isn't. So you have teenagers. I have teenagers. Allegedly. Yeah. My older teenager, I don't know. I, I, he never really had much of an issue with this, but mm-hmm. every once in a while he would come up and, and talk about being disappointed by a friend or, or something like that. But I have a lot of conversations with my daughter about friendships mm-hmm. and, you know, um, what makes good ones and like when does it cross the line like that and even though they're in this sort of like dramatized area of their life Mm -hmm. there's a way you treat people and there's a way you don't treat people Mm -hmm. and so it's having these conversations with her of you know you may think this person is your best friend but if they're going around and doing this and talking to you about this way or about you in this way is that the kind of friend you can really trust? No, mm-hmm. it's not. So then mm-hmm. what, how do you navigate through that? So I'm just curious if you've had conversations like that with your kids about friendships and, and uh, just the relationship of how to be a good friend to someone. Yeah, we, we have a lot. And we were told, uh, we, we actually got some help from a, a therapist at one point who just gave us a little bit of guidance that it's important to remember when you're that age that your friends are doing things possibly not n- out of malice, mm-hmm. but pushing boundaries because they have to learn. And there is mm-hmm. a part of it that is uh, de- sort of social development. It's rooted in social development. Mm, yeah, okay, right? good point. That, that they need to get burned. Both the one that is doing the thing that feels malicious at the time mm-hmm. and the person who is is infringed upon in that way those actions in isolation are pushing social boundaries to see what happens. What right. happens when I do this thing, right? Uh, on uh, Superficially, can I get away with this thing? Like, is this a thing that's going to pay off in good ways, bad ways? Like, what's it going to look like to, to me in the future? The challenge that we have is that the context really matters, right? Yes. When you do something where social groups are so entwined online and every 
infraction, every mistake, every social faux pas is magnified by social media and by TikTok and all these things, the level of embarrassment and, and oh, you know, so it's it's so high. And yeah. that's something that, you know, even you and I didn't have to deal with quite as, as severely as kids no. today do. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, we try to have that conversation that I know mm-hmm. you feel like this was this was a thing that was malicious and targeted, and maybe it was. Maybe mm-hmm. it was. Maybe it's bullying, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it's just straight up bullying. Maybe it's it's just you know their frontal lobe is really mushy right now, and mm-hmm. we're trying to get to the point where they understand, and they make some experiences that are going to remind them what I did is not okay, and mm-hmm. the cost now might be the end of this relationship. Mm-hmm. It might well, be. and that's the thing is that, you know, in just some of the conversations that I've had with her on this one particular friend, it, it, it really has come down to that. I said, OK, you can go ahead and forgive them for what they've done here and what they've said. But you also might want to make it very clear that if they go down that road again, that the friendship is over. Yeah. Like you, you, you can offer your forgiveness, but then, you know but then what if it happens again, yeah. like, it, you know, so it's also kind of teaching those boundaries because especially for her being, a, a um, new to not only friendships, but potentially romantic relationships down the road, I don't want her to be in a position where she can get manipulated easily, yeah. easily and, and yep. have a gaslighter come in and just, you know, roll all over her because she has a kind heart. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, it's these tricky conversations and we have to have them with ourselves too, not just we with sure our too. children, but yeah. we have, to, I mean, I, I know in my life and I'm sure Pete, you have too, have had toxic relationships with people yeah. and maybe the best thing, you know, you don't, don't necessarily see it at the time when they're starting to kind of divide or, or you go separate ways, but then looking back, I can see, well, there's probably a reason why that that friendship didn't really continue or I don't really miss it as much as I did in those first few months, you know, or whatever. Um, But it is interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation, you know, I think more than uh, anything, it's just right to reinforce. I think having those with our kids reinforces it for us. Like, Oh yeah, there are lines which shall not be crossed. Right. right. There are lines right. that just decrease the value in the relationship. And what are those lines? What do they look well, like? Well, and it does go both ways. That was something that Melissa definitely said last week is mm-hmm. that it's a, it's a two way uh, relationship. And I think that, um, you know, with folks who have ADHD, it does probably seem really burn, not a burden, but it seems really hard to know that I'm going to have to somehow keep up with this. Yeah. Um, But if you're realistic with what we're saying is, you know, you don't have to have a hundred close friends. If you can have like, you know, two to five, it may not be as hard as it feels, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or as big as you think it is right now. And I think what you were saying, and when we were looking at this like chart thing is you do have to have time, where is the time and where do you decide to spend your time? Mm-hmm. And um, so it can be very complicated. And I've lost a couple of friends in my adulthood. And I don't really know why. I have a good idea, but I don't really know why. <laughs> I mean, I lit <laughs> the car on to... fire, but that's fine. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having a really good friend and then all of a sudden they become an acquaintance. And I'm not really sure why. Um, but... 
you know, you have to deal. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit too, is dealing with that rejection is how do you deal with that disappointment? Because what if that person isn't necessarily blowing you off because they have ADHD and they don't have the time for it? It's because they really don't, you know, they're not gelling with you or you're not gelling with them. That's really disappointing. It's like a breakup. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when those friends broke up with me, it hurt. Yeah. And it sucked. And I was really disappointed and I didn't understand why. And I was like, what did I do? And so one of the things I think um, I went on to, I went on to this thing called Google. Oh, you said, where can I find new friends? Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) I said, where can I, how can I deal with disappointment? And I found an article that I really liked and we'll put it in the show notes. It's from Dr. Rada and it's five ways to deal with disappointment. So I just want to go through quickly the the five key points. Number one, we can be sad. And I just think that's good. Like it gives you permission to be sad. Like this isn't fair. Like this is sad. I don't, you know, and do a little bit of self-loathing, right? Like, God, I must be really bad. Or or it gives you an opportunity to learn. Like I'm feeling grief because of something and I should probably know what that is. Right, right. So we we can be sad. Uh, We may not ever know why something worked or didn't work, which is why letting go is part of the healing process. And I can tell you from personal experience, this is where I talk about with those two friendships, is that um, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't think it matters. What I have to do at some point is let it go. Now, I'm still sad about it. Um, but I don't think about it as much as I used to. And I don't think about trying to repair it like I used to. Right. right. So I've been able to kind of just let that go. That's part of my story. It's part of when we're talking about friendships, that's part of my story. Well, and I think that's a really important observation because one of the things that comes with social anxiety and RSD is perseveration, right? Mm. And it's so easy to make up a negative story and not to let it go, especially living with ADHD. It's really hard to let it go. We've had whole shows dedicated to, you know, letting it go. And, um, And that's this is where that comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, something wasn't right. Now you know more about yourself and what you need in friendships from other people. And uh, so, yeah, something wasn't quite right. May, it's that whole line. It's not you, baby. It's, it's me. It's me. <laughs> and you know what? That could be true. Like, it probably is your fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, something's not quite right. Yeah. Um, and then number four, it may really not be you. <laughs> yeah. You can't control what others think. And there's that that whole saying of it's nobody's, it's not your business on what somebody thinks of you. You, mm-hmm. you can't change it, you know? Right. You could try, but what they think um, is is their business. It's, it's not ours necessarily. Sure. So coming to terms with that when you have anxiety is hard. Like I want to control everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I'm being told that I can't. It's And and it's probably why, why the friendship wasn't going very well either. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, something is better. Now, I think that this is true in a lot of things, not just, you know, not just relationships, but believing in 
yourself, believing uh, that things will work out, believing that this too shall pass. I mean, I just think there's something about having faith about, you know, you're going to get through this. This disappointment mm-hmm. isn't going to hurt as much as it is it is right now. And it's going to look different. And and hopefully we can learn something from it. And maybe we won't other than being able to let go of something that you didn't have control over. Yeah, right. Um, and that I think is really important. And, and one thing I want to say that has hit me about anxiety. I was watching a TV show um, and it had the author of Glennon Doyle. She's very popular right <gasps> yes, now. Yes, she's very popular. I just she, listened to one of her podcast episodes. Did you like it? Uh, yeah, yes, oh. with caveat. Okay, what's the ca- caveat? Well, it's a separate thing. You finish your, okay. your conversation. Well, author of Untamed. Yes. Right. And I have the book Untamed and I've I've read most of it. I just it's one of those books that I have that I don't read all the way through. Yeah. Um, but there is something that she said in this interview that was really, really hit me. And I keep thinking about it. She said, like, with work or with living with anxiety, there's a lot of what ifs. Right. What if I had done this? What if the, what if I had taken this turn or this choice or whatever? And then when we're thinking about the future, what if this happens? What if the worst does happen. And then she says, but what I think about when I'm starting to spiral is I think what is, what is right now? Mm-hmm. And she said, a hundred percent of the time I'm okay right now. Yeah. And that really hit me because I thought, and and what she said about it too, is she goes, if you can 100% say what is, I'm okay. I'm not saying you're great or that you're not sad, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm okay. Um, then have faith that the next time you're in this what if spiral, if you go back to being what is, that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really great. It, it gets back to that lesson that I uh, we learned from Michelle Chalfont, right? Living in fact and truth. Right. What do you know, as you say right now, what do you know about this moment and everything else is fiction? Mm-hmm. Everything else is mm-hmm. made up. Uh, and I, I think that's really, really important um, and super useful. In, I, I think once you build a practice of it, like all of these things, it involves a practice. It mm-hmm. involves consciously being aware of your state right now and doing that every single day. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. You got anything else? We wrap it up. Well, I'm curious about what you thought of the podcast. It's just totally unrelated to uh, friendship, but it was oh. she. It was an episode on fun. Oh, and it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe we need to do our own episode on fun uh, as a bonus episode during the hiatus. I don't know, but we. It got me. It's provocative. It's got me thinking and talking, and me and Kira have been talking about it constantly. About so what that's it means a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. Uh, and she it's a, it was a conversation with her and her uh, her wife, Abby Wambach, mm-hmm. who I adore. I think mm-hmm. she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her sister, Amanda. And the three of them talked about it was it was actually Abby who brought this topic to Glennon and Amanda and said, you don't know how to have fun. And I have a whole career out of having fun. And we need to talk about that in uh, terms of an intervention because you're going to burn out. And uh, yeah. it was it was really great when you think about what is it that I do that really is fun, unpredicted outcome, 
don't know how it's going to end. I'm not doing something painful now so that I'll get a joy out of it later. Like cleaning the garage is not right. fun, even no. if you think having a clean garage might be fun later. Right. Uh, like, how do you reinterpret what you do for fun? Good. And I re- that hit me so hard because I don't know. Yeah, so you're thinking about that. That's yeah, interesting. Thinking hard about so it. So she obviously has these little tidbits that get yep. people thinking because Surely. I was thinking about the what is and you're thinking about the fun. And yeah. I know one of the things she said too about Abby, because she had um come on she had interrupted the interview and uh and uh the and then when she left, um Glennon was saying, yes, Abby has a lot of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was talking about how we need to feel. She's like, yes, she yeah. has a lot of feelings. And I, she yeah. was, it was cute. It was just a cute way of like talking about that, but, but what was still kind of lighthearted. And yeah. so I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check her, her podcast out. Yeah. I do like the book. Um, yeah. And uh, it's great to have people out there that make us think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, that, we'll, we'll put a link. That'll be fine. You'll yes. be great. Yeah. So that's it. And uh, this is, I, I hope this is continued inspiration on, on thoughts about friendships and anxiety and RSD. And just remember, you're, you're probably overthinking somebody else's opinion of you. It's true. They like you more than you think they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, thanks, everybody. We appreciate you downloading, listening to the show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute about this conversation, head over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. I'm going there right now to post my friendship chart. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> on behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Podcast.